All right, we are up here at Southern Columbia. Welcome to another episode of the Coal Region Campfire. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some new listeners uh, with our guest today, Coach Roth, uh, with the Southern Columbia uh, powerhouse football team. Um, quick message from our sponsors here, Cackle. Uh, if you live, worship, um, or work in Schuylkill County, make sure you become a member of Cackle and also Darren J. Uh, Darren J. March Financial Services uh, for all your retirement uh, needs. All right, Coach Roth, thank you. Welcome uh, to an episode here. Um, Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate you taking the time. So I, I have notes. I, I usually do a deep dive, um, and I, I wanted to start. Um, you played for Shikalemi. Am, am I correct on that? Yes. So you, you had some battles with Pottsville back in the day, I, I noticed. Uh, were you there in 74? Yes. You had an 86-yard kick return. I, 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 that was. Uh, yes, and I, and I, you know, I'm one of those people that would be the first to admit that uh, I, I ha I've had a lot more success coaching than I did playing, but I, but I did have a, a, a pretty good senior year at Chickalimi, and I'll never forget the Pottsville game um, for a number of reasons. Uh, I had a kick return for a touchdown. I think I may have had a, a pass reception for a touchdown, but the main thing that stood out in that game for me is I actually had four interceptions in that game. Oh, get out. Which was a, a school record for many years, uh, but... Um, a guy came along uh, and and actually ended up getting five interceptions uh -oh. in a game and broke my record. You know, when I when I did that, I thought, well, th this could be around for yeah, a while. Yeah, that, that should it's be pretty around. hard to get yeah. four interceptions in a game. But we actually had a guy that was a he ended up being a first team All Stater and and he he had five in a game. But yeah, that game like stands out in my career as probably the most memorable. So now it was was it a loss twenty three twenty one? Yeah, yeah. Now yep. how how was it? I mean that's Coach Flynn days. Do you remember uh, how was it going to Pottsville those days? Was it? Oh, uh, you know the the memories of the old uh, Eastern Conference mm -hmm. uh, Southern Division of the Eastern Conference that was considered the Class A division, I believe back then. And so um, yeah, that that they're great memories of not only playing. Um, when when the uh, the league was set up that way, but um, also watching through the 60s and 70s as I was growing up and watching people like Lenny Long and Junior Walder, some of the great players at Shikalimi, and the battles they had with Pottsville and Berwick and Mount Carmel and Shimokin and these other teams that were in the Southern Division of the Eastern Conference, um, and huge crowds, and it, it, was, uh, it was great football. And uh, so, yeah, real uh, good memories of of uh, the way things were back then. Now, uh, after high school, you went to Lock Haven, correct? Yes. Um, and then, kind of pick up, um, I didn't realize this, when I did the George Curry documentary, I, I came across uh, Andy Ulickney and um, Jim Doyle, and I didn't realize Andy Ulickney was the, was the head coach here. Uh, you were his defensive coordinator in, in 83. Um, I think it's really easy for people to see the success of Southern Columbia today and not realize just how bad the program was in in the early 80s i mean i think it was a 27 game win streak you guys broke a win streak you guys actually got the day off from school Tw 27 game <laughs> losing streak. losing streak i'm yeah. sorry yeah. yeah uh so yeah when, when when i mean a couple similarities i you know when i talked to coach curry he said you know when the berwick job opened everyone's like you know don't go there. That, there's there's no reason to go there. It, it, it's a it's a coaching, you know, graveyard, and that's kind of the same thing with Southern Columbia. So, what what makes you what makes you say, all right, let, let's is it kind of the idea of we can only go up from here, or or, or what is it? 
no at that time it was just get a job get a job okay um so i was right out of of college and um you know i wanted a full-time teaching job mm -hmm. uh, i graduated in december mid-year and the second semester of that particular school year which would have been i guess 78 79 i spent a lot of time at line mountain high school uh the head coach there at that time was a guy by the name of Paul Stamen, who had a lot of success. Later, he uh, moved on to Delaware and then came back to the area and was at Shimokin for a while as a coach and athletic director. Uh, but at any rate, he was the head wrestling and football coach at Line Mountain. And um, I spent uh, a lot of time subbing in that, that second half of the year, and I actually helped him coach junior high wrestling. And they were going to have an opening in the phys ed department, and both of us were – he was very much – convinced that I was going to get the job and I, I thought I was going to get the job also. Um, and ju it just happened that a uh, phys ed t a teacher left Southern Columbia here in, um, in the summer, very late, was in the middle of the summer. And I, I got a uh, call from Phil Lockoff, the head wrestling uh, coach at uh, Shikalimi at that time. He had run into the wrestling coach from Southern Columbia and they had a conversation about a phys ed position being open. Do you know anybody that you know, is graduating, a young guy that may be willing to coach. I got a call from Phil Lockoff, and my first thought was, there's no way I want to go to Southern Columbia. They're terrible. I don't mm -hmm. want to yeah. go anywhere near that school. Well, make a long story short, um, the Line Mountain thing fell through. I did not get the job. And so this, I fell back on, on this position uh, and, and got a job here and, and came in, and um, the program was, was really down. The entire male athletic program was down, not just football. Um, there wasn't much success at all. Um, I remember uh, when I started here back then uh, in the beginning, like you would see very few kids in the school even wear anything with Southern Columbia hmm. on it. There was uh, just uh, not uh, any, any kind of uh, pride or anything in the in the school in terms of the athletic program. There just were a lot of struggles. So, so that's how it all kind of played out in the beginning. Um, you know, Sunbury's less than 30 minutes away. Shikalimi, where I went, is is relatively close. We didn't compete with uh, Southern Columbia much in anything because they're a much smaller school than we were at that time, and they're still we're still quite a bit smaller than Shikalimi. But um, again, uh, you know, I, I knew they weren't having a lot of success, so uh, I, I wasn't enthused about starting out here. But it was probably a blessing because it. It, it gave me an opportunity to work with some other young coaches, and we kind of learned as we went um, and, and kind of figured things out on our own. It was a great experience uh, uh, working with some other young coaches here, uh, developing the program and getting it going. Now, before I jump more into to the coaching, uh, also in my, in my research I found, were you a pretty good uh, softball player? Did you play for butter crust? Yeah. I saw you had a couple home runs. Yeah, yeah I played <laughs> softball and baseball for uh, – for years um, through through high school and then um, in the uh, amateur amateur league after you sure. know, graduating I played softball and uh, and baseball yeah so I did that for uh, quite a few years I'll have to have a coach Keating actually has a no hitter in uh, from from Pottsville he has yeah. a no hitting in, in softball that's yeah. uh, he slows the ball um, <clears throat> what th what did it mean to have a coach like coach Ulickney give a young coach like you, uh, you know, he seemed to have trusted you a lot so yeah, um, well, you know, I played in college. Uh, he took over this program, and obviously it was struggling. And as I mentioned, Andy Mills, who's been my defensive coordinator 
from day one was on that staff. So the three of us, went, I think we only had four coaches, you know, at the, on the varsity level at that time. Um, so we were kind of learning on the fly, so to speak, because there was no experienced coach on the staff. Um, Andy Mills and Andy Ulickney were in their second year coaching football. I was in my first year. So, you know, um, he, he uh, allowed me to, you know, take over the defense and work with the defense. And, and again, um, you know, there, there was some talent here. Uh, there was just never anything really in place for the uh, athletes as far as an off-season program. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, um, weightlifting and speed training and a lot of that off-season stuff was was not near as common back then it is, as it is sure. today. Today it's, it's, it's basically an afterthought. It's, it's, it, it's a given that you're going to be involved in those types of things in the off-season. But um, there was nothing going on back then here uh, – in that regard, and and even, uh, you know, there was there was no one in in the school hands on that was working with the kids, uh, and, and and just trying to you know get them involved in the program and keeping them focused on things they needed to do. So a lot of it just came down to us, you know, developing a work ethic and, and trying to develop a, a sense of pride. And I've talked to a number of people over the years that have asked questions about taking over a program that's struggling and how do you start winning? Do you get, do you get, uh, uh, you know, you're, you, do you, ha you have to get some talent and get some athletes before you can win some games or do you just have to change the attitude and, and get them to uh, um, ha have a different perspective in the way they approach things? And, and so, like, which comes first, you know? And I think it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have to have some talent, but, you know, I think the attitude, uh, you know, has to be there and, and you have to develop uh, uh, some level of confidence to go out and be able to have some success. So, I, I, you know, and I think really in, in any level of football or any sport, I think if a, if a program is really struggling, I think it's a, it's a combination of both of those. It's not like, well, you have to wait until you have all these sure. really good athletes to start winning or – you know, you have to change the culture. You have to change the attitude, and that's the only thing that's going to matter. I, I, you know, I think it's it's somewhere in between. Yeah, culture is uh, that's like kind of the hot word. I mean, I I know what I w I played at uh, Division Three Muhlenberg, and before I got there, they were terrible. And you know, when we got there for the early years, it's kind of exciting being on a bad team that you have the excitement of, of turning around. I mean, I know it's daunting, but it's also there's a certain level of uh, adrenaline that you're like, okay, well, let's let's turn this thing around. Because a lot of times, the changes are kind of simple; they're just hard to kind of implement. That's my opinion. You know, like yeah, we got to start lifting and, and do that kind of stuff, but it's a matter of getting the motivation to actually do that, which uh, which can be you know difficult. So. Uh, Ulickney leaves in, in 84, and then you take over as the, the, the head coach. Um, do you, is, was there a year, is there a game that kind of you figured, okay, this, this is going to go in the right direction, like a, a signature win in the early part of your career that you remember? Uh, not really. I think uh, really the 83 season – when I was still, it was my last year in as, as an assistant and Andrew Lickney's last year as the head coach. When we won the Eastern Conference uh, Championship, we, we finished that year 12-1, uh, and one, I guess our record was. 11-1 um, or 12-1, I can't remember anymore, but I know we only had one loss. We won the Eastern Conference title. And, 
you know, we had a group that that year, like that that senior class was, you know, when they were like freshmen and, and sophomores, that was the group that we kind of developed and brought mm -hmm. along. So we kind of we build up to that. The year we broke the losing streak, we ended up four, five, and one, and then we went nine and three. The next year we won a mid pen, which was the small league that we were in title. Um, and then we won the Eastern Conference title the following year. It was 12 and one now, I, I remember. Um, so we, we had that build up over those three years. When I took over, we lost a lot of good seniors that year. Uh, it was probably uh, end of the year. We played a, a game with uh, Lords Regional who was pretty strong football mm -hmm. program at that time. And we won a close game with some young players. And, and I guess at least at that time, I, I, I kind of realized that you know, there's, there's, we're going to be able to, to keep this thing going. You know, we had a pretty good year that year after losing uh, some good players um, and having that run over a three-year period and, and, and obviously getting away from a, a real bad stretch of football. Um, and then after the way we finished that season in 84, I figure we were in pretty good shape and, you know, we had good years uh, the next few years and, Things changed then in the late 80s from it was the Eastern Conference mm -hmm. was, the, you know, that was your your goal at that time because that's all there was. The right. Eastern Conference Championship, which took in a, a good part of this uh, section of the state. And then in, I think it was 88, the state playoffs came on board and, and then that became the goal. So uh, one thing, too, I noticed is. You're you're a big innovator. I mean, you introduced the wing T. Uh, you brought the wing T here. Um, and then you're a big fan of uh, platooning, you know, having players play one side of the ball. Now, for someone, you know, playing in the coal region, that, that was almost unheard of, I would imagine, right? You played both ways, you know, you played special teams. What kind of gave you that idea? Like, what, what sparked that idea to be like, oh, this might be a better way to do things? Uh, we, we've always looked at it like if you have uh, a player who is close but not quite as good as another player, and if they each play one way, we just felt that we're further ahead in the end. Mm -hmm. The way they're able to perform, then if, if we take that guy who's maybe a little bit better and he plays both ways and um, that other guy's not on the field. So we've looked at it from that perspective that is, you know, and again, we're not going to put uh, a guy out there that we feel just can't compete at the varsity sure. level. But once we feel that a, a player is good enough to contribute and get the job done, even though he's not as good as a number, another player or somebody in front of him, um, we've just always looked at it like in the long run we're further ahead if we can have those guys play one way. Um, the other thing that it's done for us is it, it's always, I think, in, enabled us to keep kids motivated, and I think it's helped our numbers. Because we play so many kids between offense, defense, and special teams, for a small school, we generally have, in grades 10 through 12, we normally have about a third of the male student body out for football. Oh, my gosh. Approximately one-third. Yeah, so, so we'll have, uh, to round it off, we'll have about 150 males in the top three grades, and we normally have 50-plus football I mean, that's players. incredible number, in especially in today's day. Yeah, so we usually have about a third. Um, so, so that's always been a big emphasis on our program is participation. And I think that's where, uh, you know, just looking from the outside, I think a lot of high school programs kind of miss the boat 
because they're, they, they put too much emphasis on their top players and they don't try to develop some of those other guys. Um, the, other, the other thing I've kind of learned over the years is um, some of those marginal players or some of those kids that are average high school athletes, they have a greater upside. So if you can get those kids to buy into the weight room and the speed training and the agility work, um, sometimes they make greater strides and more improvement than some of your guys that are better athletes. And I just think that that's been a huge part of our success is taking those guys that aren't your better athletes or your best athletes in the program and developing them so that they become contributors. And I think that's enabled us to have depth, a lot of one-way players, and that's all that's all led into to, uh, our success. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, I noticed is, you know, you're not a big believer in, in long football practices. I, I think, does that kind of go back to your, your physical, physical education, you know, kind of the science behind the, the, play, the playing a little bit? It, that, um, and, and that, that, that's one thing I've always been grateful for is, is uh, being a phys ed major and some, some people from the outside, you know, that, Oh, these phys ed teachers, they just roll out the ball. Yeah. Kids, but they don't understand when you take phys ed in, in, in college, and it, especially if it's a good phys ed school like, like Lock Haven, you're taking all the health sciences, you're taking coaching courses, you're taking, uh, you know, physiology, physiology of exercise, kinesiology. So, you know, to me, there's no better training um, to become a coach than to be a phys ed major because mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of background just on human movement, uh, skill work, uh, how to improve uh, your ability as an athlete, all those types of things. So, so that was part of it. And then over the years, um, I've always been one that when the when the coaches come in and recruit, and and I whenever I would be around college coaches, I would always pick their brain. And and so that's something I learned over time is that um, in a sport like football that's so physically demanding, um, more is not better. Mm -hmm. and, and really, I think you 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 can apply that to almost any sport. Yeah. Um, there's a fine line between working hard and improving, especially when you're in season and getting to the point where your kids don't feel their best on Friday night. And so our goal is to try to, uh, you know, maximize our work, you know, in the off season and even in the regular season, but not cross that line so that when we step on the field Friday night, we want them to feel really good and be fresh mentally and physically and if you're practicing two hours every night in season especially once you get into the middle of the season and beyond and you're doing a lot of physical work at practice um and and the other thing about it is you know we've played fortunately we've been able to play a lot of long seasons mm -hmm. we've averaged 15 16 week you know yeah. game seasons. so our goal is to be fresh in week 13 14 15 16 and if we're if we're out on the field two hours plus every night, and we're really having real long physical practices, by that point in the year, we're not going to have our best performance mm -hmm. out there on Friday night or Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I was talking to my old uh, college coach, and I was a wide receiver in college, and we'd be running routes all practice, and at the end we had to run sprints. And I saw him a couple of years ago, and he said, "We actually the receivers now don't have to run sprints at the end." He's like, "Because." We just realized we were just running them into the ground. You're running all, all day at practice. You got your running in. You know, we want to keep you fresh for, for the next day. And it, it takes a strong, especially football where you're always trying to push yourself, it takes a strong mind to kind of say, okay, well, maybe let's, let's pull it back a little bit and kind of see the bigger picture. Um, our, our program is structured, and we take a lot of uh, uh, pride in the fact that when we practice, 
we practice fast and we're very we, we, we feel that our practices are very efficient um, we don't condition uh, the first couple weeks of the regular season we'll do a little bit of running and then uh, for the majority of the season we don't do any conditioning mm -hmm. because we feel that we get our conditioning during practice uh, we'll come out on a Monday and and it's not really conditioning but I'll have like our, you know, we have a JV game, but our starters, our main guys that are not playing JVs on a Monday, we'll have, and we, we, it's always a, a lifting day where we'll lift weights, but we'll go out and we'll run like maybe six 40 yard sprints full speed. And it's not really even conditioning. It's just to go out and do that so that you're, you know, so, right. so you're, you know, you're just keeping that, that sense of all, all out speed sure. you know, for a few sprints you're keeping that that feel for your body or whatever um but most of all of our conditioning in season and and uh uh our our uh physical stamina that we build for playing in games is done during practice and you know not through lengthy sure. conditioning or whatever afterwards now your first kind of uh thoroughbred that you had here jerry marks in the 80s uh was it kind of fun calling plays when, when he was in the, in the backfield i mean because he had what over how many yards did he have? I mean, he had a state record there at one Over point. Over 6,000. Yeah. Yeah, or no, Jerry, maybe Jerry wasn't 6,000. Jerry was 4,000. Yeah, he broke the state record at that time. And, and I'm not a big numbers guy. Yeah. We, you know, we've had a lot of athletes put up tremendous numbers. I mean, we have a couple guys that are graduating this year that have state records that might hold up for a while. Yeah, long I think uh, Garcia's record probably yeah, will hold up Fleming, for a while. Him, Fleming and Garcia have state records, but um, – but, yeah, Jerry had a ton of yards. But back then, you know, we weren't running the wing tee at that time. We were running mainly an eye, and we just fed him the ball, and people couldn't stop him. Um, so he had a tremendous career for four years. And, uh, again, at that time, he had the most rushing yards in the history of the state. And we had, uh, you know, four real good years. We won uh, the Eastern Conference, the overall Eastern Conference title in 88. But 84 through 87, when he was in the program, um, we had strong seasons every year. I think we won over 10 games each mm -hmm. of those four seasons. And then that's when we evolved to the wing team. When Jerry graduated, you know, we sat back and said, we don't have anybody like that coming up in the program. And so I was very familiar with um, the wing team. It was being run at Shikalimi. It was run at Susquehanna. The guy that I did most of my uh, – learning from was a guy by the name of Rocky Reese. Rocky was a pretty uh, successful coach at both Susquehanna and Shippensburg University. And Rocky ran the wing tee. He was, he was what I would call a wing tee guru. He knew, he knew it inside and out. And that was, back then, that was, a, that was an offense that was still being run at the college yeah. level. Now everybody, you know, people can't lower themselves to run something like the wing tee. Everybody, the thing every, is, though, the wing everybody's got to get in the shotgun yeah. and throw the yeah. ball. If you throw the wing tee good, it, it's oh, – I, mean, yeah. I remember we used to, Redding used to run the wing tee when I played in high school, and that week getting prepared for them, whether they were a good team or not, it was still difficult yep. to stop because you, you just didn't know where it was going. And we're not, we're not what I would call a textbook wing tee team anymore because mm -hmm. we do a lot of things that are not textbook wing tee. But the one thing that we still do is we run out of a lot of the wing tee formations. And I, and I just think that <clears throat> those formations are just still very good for uh, the high school game in terms of being able oh, yeah. to run the ball and we can still we can still throw it. And um, I can remember when Fleming came up, I would be running into coaches at clinics and things like that, and it'd be 
making comments about of all the programs for a guy like Julian Fleming to show up and he shows up at Southern Columbia where all you're going to do is run the ball and you're running the wing tee. Well, guess what? He graduated what, with 5, 000, two, yeah. two out of the three main receiving records in the history of Pennsylvania he has now. The only one he didn't get was the number of receptions and he only missed it by less than 10. <laughs> so we found a way to get him yeah. the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a conversation <coughs> this year. I was like, Look at the Titans. I mean, they're just running the ball. I mean, you yeah. know, sometimes it doesn't need to be uh, too complicated. Sometimes yep. if you do if you do something well. And you actually, you know, <coughs> all four years when we had Julian, the fact that we had a good running game, it made it easier to get him the ball. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because unlike now if we were a spread team and all we did was throw it and we threw the ball a lot, it's easier for them to emphasize coverage on him, double him, sure. and still play the pass. Now, when we split him out and they want to double cover him and we're a good running team, well, the first thing that happens is now they're at a disadvantage because they have one less guy in the box to play the yeah. run. So it, it, it was actually much... It Pick was your much poison. More, yeah, yeah, it was much more conducive to our scheme to have an elite receiver and still be in run formations a lot of the time and things that nature so it, you know it all worked out and we uh, had no problem getting him the ball so now you, you you mentioned 88 you won the eastern conference i'm gonna i'm gonna mention 89 i told you i, I sent you an email I, I was a water boy for nativity uh so i was a veterans memorial stadium uh nativity somehow won that game on, on eric muldowney who's a listener he had do you remember that game he had two punt returns absolutely and a kick return uh that was probably well, it's not the most memorable loss because we lost in the state title yeah. game, uh, uh, you know, many, many times, too many times, and there's no tougher loss than that. But I would say other than state championship games, that was probably one of the most memorable losses that we ever had. Um, you know, we outgained them from scrimmage significantly. Oh, I mean, yeah, you guys. But he had a he had a huge game with he had like three returns for touchdowns. Yeah, one for one kick and two. And punts. so it was a it was just a very disappointing loss the way the game went. And so yeah, that's I still remember that like that that one is pretty vivid. Yet would you would you punt to him if he had played it? Would you punt to him again or no? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, and I don't and I don't remember all the specifics of it, but it was. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was four overtime, or no? Was it four overtimes? Yeah, yeah. A number of overtimes involved with. I think it. it was the longest game in state history at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's been broken now. So yeah, that that that's one that we remember. Now, <clears throat> everyone sees now. You know, I, I, I have ten state championships. I think I forget even, and, and I'm and I'm a football guy, uh, football fan. That you know, you guys lost a bunch there in the '90s. Um, was it the 90s? I think. I mean, you guys kind of were like the Buffalo Bills, and you're turning around and now. Well, the only difference is when people say that, I say, well, well, wait a second. We won our first state. That's title. right, in '94, <laughs> right? That was your first one. Yeah. So, so we, so we won in '94. We lost to Farrell in '95 and '96. So three consecutive years. We blew out. We won big. Um, against Western Beaver in 94. We lost to Farrell the next two years in a row. In 95, we lost 6 nothing, And in 96, we lost 14-12. to And in 96, we uh, uh, did not have um, uh, uh, Rico Rosini, who oh, was our, our real good yeah, running yeah, back for Rico. us. Um, and then we lost 
97. Uh, we lost in uh, the, the playoffs and didn't make it to the finals. And then um, 98, 2000, and 2001, three out of the next four years, we lost to Rochester. Um, in between, the one year in between there, we lost to uh, um, West, West Side, West, West, no, what wasn't Western Beaver, uh, was another uh, school from out there. It was one of the Beaver schools. But anyhow, make a long story short, most of those losses were um, pretty close. They were all close, actually. Uh, the worst loss was an 18 nothing loss the one year to uh, Rochester. And in that particular game, it was, uh, I think, one score going into the fourth quarter. We had a very good defense that year. We could not do anything offensively against their team. And then we kept putting our defense back out there and putting them back, and then they scored a couple more late. But it was still a pretty close game. So all those games were, were close losses, obviously very disappointing. We realized that we were coming out on the short end. Um, at that particular time, those teams that we were losing to were just a little more athletic. They were a little more physical, a little faster. So... Our emphasis became we've just got it. We've got to get a little better uh, athletically. We've we've got to get a little strong. We've got to get stronger. We've got to get more athletic. We've got to get faster. Um, so you know we put our emphasis on that. And after we went through that string of of runner up finishes, you know our our perspective as a staff was the only way to erase this bad taste of these second place finishes. Mm -hmm. And again, they're. They're great seasons. Like, we beat a lot of teams in eastern half of the state that had three- and four-year runs with senior classes that, you know, they had great runs over three or four years. And we were beating some really good teams, yeah. you know, from Pius to uh, Schuylkill Haven to whoever it might have been. Um, but all that gets forgotten when you make it to the finals and you lose. You know, it's mm -hmm. just the nature of it. Um, so... We, we sat there as a staff and we're like, we're the only, only way to, uh, you know, erase this bad taste is to go out and win a bunch. So 2002, we turned it around and won and won five in a row. And, and then, um, you know, we, we were, didn't get back to the, the finals for a number of years. And then we did, um, we, we had a couple losses recently and then a number of wins also. Um, but the two recent losses, we lost to Clarent back in 11 when they had their run. They had mm -hmm. won like three in a row. And Clarent was very talented at that time. Um, uh, in fact, the one player that really hurt us in that game, uh, who's uh, he just signed a pretty big contract, I think, last year with the Bengals. Um, can't think of his name right offhand. But, you know, we lost to them, and then we lost to Steel High, uh, back when this current senior class were freshmen mm -hmm. uh, after we won in 15 and in 16, we were, we were starting a bunch of freshmen. It was, it was an accomplishment to, to make it that far. And we, we played steel Valley in the finals and they were, they were very good and then went on a three year run here again. So, yeah, so we lost a couple recently, but um, it, it uh, you know, it's been the thing that I guess we're the most proud of is just, the length of our, going back our run, you know, whether it's a, a championship or a runner-up, like no one in the state is even close to mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, that's the thing that we're proudest of, to just to have the program playing at that level for so long. Well, yeah, it's exciting as a, as a student athlete to know that you're going to be part of 
you know, yeah. pretty uh, most li- most likely a deep playoff run. Yeah, so we're 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 at 18 appearances in the state finals, and I think uh, the next closest team is is definitely under 10. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the number would be, but um, so you know, it's 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 been a tremendous run, and and uh, we we this is a another transition now because we had this run with this senior class that I ha- I, ha- I have to call a once in a career group right. And so now it's kind of like starting over, which a lot of people look at it like, oh, you must dread that. No, it's actually a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a lot of fun to coach those guys. But people have to understand that the last two years, especially if we don't win every single game, it's a failure. Well, yeah. And that's why (laughs) that's why, you know, (laughs) Coach Curry, you know, in our documentary, he talked about, you know, he won a state championship next year. They're 10 and one and people's oh, the program's down, you know, and he. as a fan base, you could get spoiled, not here, but everywhere. Does, and I know, I know the answer, I'm going to ask it, but does the excitement of winning a state championship, like, does it diminish at all? Or no, is it just as exciting as the first one every time you win one? It is. Um, no, it doesn't diminish. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, I give my staff a lot of credit because they've stayed on top of things when it comes to that. They coach they, and, and, I, and I say this all the time, you know, I, I have a, a, a staff of guys that they coach our players regardless of the situation. Like the last couple of years, they coach them like we're still trying to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we have a chip on our shoulder and we haven't accomplished anything. And that's where it starts because high school kids are high school kids. And even if you're, I don't care if it's college or wherever, I think that, that's, you know, something that's really important. If you have a lot of success, those kids have to be worked with on a daily basis in such a way that you almost have to make them forget about what they did last year mm-hmm. and make them feel like we've got something to prove. Um, and, and our staff has done a great job of that. And when people look at the longevity of success, the thing that gets lost on them is, you know, I, have to, I remind them sometimes when I get questioned about that, hey, these aren't the same guys that w- that were here four and five years ago. Right. So these guys only have this recent history. Now, now obviously this last year's team, um, because they won three in a row and they were in the finals as freshmen, I understand that you could question, you know, any kind of complacency that you dealt with mm-hmm. this year because, it, you know, it is they won the title last two years. They're heavy favorites again. So like last year was definitely a challenge that as a staff we had to make sure that we didn't get complacent and that – they worked hard every day, and they stayed on task. And if you go down and look through the box scores, it's they, ne- they never let down. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you guys. I mean, were, we played some really good teams. Yeah. And just you know, really, really dominated, and we were capable of doing that because of the talent that we had. But the thing that was the most pleasing. To us as a staff is the fact that we were able to go over to go out every week and play at an extremely high ne- level. Mm-hmm. Never had a letdown. Whether we were playing a Montoursville or a Wyoming area uh, who were undefeated or a Hammond School. Who's a, who's a 3A state champ? <laughs> yeah, or Hammond School who was coming off yeah. two consecutive titles in South Carolina. Um, or we were playing the weakest team on our schedule who was really struggling you know, our, our guys went out and played mm-hmm. hard every every uh, every game. Yeah, the the, the, the fifty four Cass Township Condors, I'm sure we're getting because they were unscored uh, upon there. 
So you guys, you guys let up your first touchdown in week five, right? Or your first point? Yeah. Now, you know, that, that's, that's the thing that uh, is remarkable because we don't, you know, our, our kids are, are out of the game once the game's out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were doing that with our younger guys or our backups maintaining those shutouts yeah. late in the game. Now, a lot of that is relative to what the other team is doing. Right. Um, so when we get a big lead on a team, and there were a lot of games this year where our starters didn't play at all in the second half. Yeah. Um, so when we're subbing, if the other team's keeping their starters in and they're throwing the ball and doing whatever they can do to score, it's going to be very difficult to maintain a shutout. Mm-hmm. You have some teams that after we sub, they don't keep their starters in much longer, and then they start to sub. Right. There's, there's no unwritten rule out there of etiquette in the no. sport of football for what you have to do if you're losing. If you're winning and you have your starters in too long oh, or you yeah, throw yeah, a pass yeah. or whatever, you can get crucified yeah. for it. You I, know? I'm sure I heard uh, uh, Jazz from Mount Carmel used to say, you know, because he'd keep the starters in. Yeah. And uh, apparently he would say, if you guys want to see the JV, they play on Monday. Like, there, I was talking to my friend who's a football coach. There is no right or wrong. You know, I – you know, it's I guess it's up to the coach. It's just so we're playing in the state championship game this year, and we played our starters for a bit into the third quarter. I think we pulled them with about four minutes left in the third quarter, and I got some negative feedback <laughs> about running the score up, and I'm like, you know, I was kind of torn, and I'm like, these guys sat on the sideline. For a good part of the season during the second yeah. half, it's their last game. It's the state championship. It's not my fault they threw the ball to us three times. Right. We had three pick sixes in that game. I mean, you know, it's like it is what it is. Yeah. If people want to criticize you, and, and they didn't. But here's the thing. I, I was, <laughs> I was uh, in my senior year, we were up 28 nothing against Williamsport fourth quarter. We end up losing that game. Yeah. So you, you don't know. I yeah. mean, you know. Yep, yep. And, and here and, and the other thing is, my goodness, it's the state championship game. Yeah. You know, it's it's the other team's job to you know to to, to stay. Yeah. This comp- isn't. Yeah. I. You know. I, I'm with. I, I I saw too an interesting. Someone did the math. I guess like Henry Hynoski, he missed a total of like 12 games in his career because because he was sitting out. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's more than a season. I mean. Well, and and here's the thing about this particular group and some of these athletes. So Garcia and Fleming were able to do what they did considering the fact that they were on the sideline a lot. I know. Their numbers could have been unbelievable. Right. I mean, they would have just been unbelievable had they played the full games and we, you know, continued to get them the ball. So it is what it is. But, um, you know, I realize that, you know, you don't want to be out there, you know, trying to make big plays against people when you're up by 40, 50 points. But at the same time, and like the big scores that we had this year, um, and, and again, you know, I heard some comments like through the regular season. Any any comments that were made uh, uh, were were totally inappropriate because during the regular season, anytime we had any kind of significant lead, our, our starters were on the yeah. sideline, and our young guys were scoring. So just like trolls, you're not going to tell them to go <laughs> yeah, out and yeah. not play. Yeah, I mean they practice too <laughs> during the week. Yeah. Now, uh, this year you're you're you, you opening up with Berwick. Yeah. Yep. How. How how special would that have been if you would have went against? Uh, did you ever coach against Coach Curry? Uh, not at the varsity level. Okay, 
How how special will that have been? Because now you're at you're 11 behind his career state record for wins. You're probably going to get it. Um, did you guys between you know you look at like the the Mount Rushmore of, of Cole Region coaches? It's you. It's uh, Coach Curry, uh, Dimonic, and you know you probably throw Flynn or, or or Whitey Williams in there. Did you guys kind of learn from each other like back in the early part of the? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with George uh, talking to him and picking his brain and so forth. And uh, we used to play him in JVs. Uh, we played some freshman or junior high, but we played him in JVs quite a bit. And, um, uh, you know, back in the early days, they were significantly bigger than us. So mm -hmm. it really wasn't. Now, uh, back a few years ago, I know when Gary Campbell was there, we reached out about maybe trying to start a series at that time. Um, and it just never happened. Uh, obviously, it never happened, you know, until uh, we start playing next year. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think we could have started uh, sometime sooner or earlier. The, the thing about this game is it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge right off, mm -hmm. right off the bat, even though they lost a lot of good players. We lost a lot of good players from last year. It's but just two. Th the local interest yeah. and so forth. Um, and we've done this with our program over the years. Back uh, when we were building the program in the 80s and 90s, we were playing in the Mid-Pen League, and then we uh, got in, uh, I'm trying to think if it was the CSC at that time. So things kind of evolved schedule-wise. I remember when I first reached out uh, to, uh, I think it was Mount Carmel first about playing them, was getting a lot of criticism from people in the community about you have no business playing them, you're not at their level, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, that's the only way you get better. Mm -hmm. And we basically uh, took our lumps uh, some years when we started playing them. Same thing happened when we started to play Shemokin. A lot of people would would not realize that if you make that comment to them now because Shemokin football hasn't been that good recently. But back then in the 90s, oh, yeah. they, were, they were a good team. I mean, solid. they were giving Berwick a run for their money yep, every week. Yep, I mean. they were a good football team. So, so, again, same thing when we picked them up. You have no business playing Shemokin, blah, blah, blah. Well... You know, uh, I know for a fact that picking those teams up and playing them and making our players realize this is the level you need to compete at. Mm -hmm. This is what we have to work toward. It just helped our program. Oh, absolutely. And so, like, this year, you know, when we decided to do that ESPN game and we reached out to uh, Wyoming area and we – because Montoursville and Wyoming area were not on our schedule in the beginning of the year. Right. You know, so – you know, that, that's, that's been our emphasis over the years is to be challenged and to always try to get better by playing competition. Well, Coach, thank you so much. Uh, this was a pleasure. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this, and uh, good luck this year and, and years to come. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.